0: Hello everybody. Welcome back to Born on the First Podcast. I'm your host Brenna and today's episode is another part of my motherhood series. Um, If you didn't know already, in honor of Mother's Day coming up, I wanted to do a little mini series of uh, just talking about motherhood. Um, Last week I dove into my firstborn and my pregnancy with her. Um, Things I learned right when I found out I was pregnant that i that you, you really like don't know unless like you're a nurse or a medical professional or you get pregnant and things you find out like for the first time, um, for your first time being pregnant and then as a first time mom as well. And then I talked a little bit about, um, my breastfeeding experience with her near the end of that episode because it was something that really, um, um, like one of the harder things that I had to face in my journey to become becoming a first-time mom. And then so today, um, I'm going to be talking more about Tatum. Um, she's my second born. She is a year, almost a year and a half. And um, I'll be talking just about her and my experience, um, my pregnancy experience and labor experience postpartum all that stuff. So I'm just going to dive right into it. It was funny because I unintentionally put on my shirt. Oh my goodness. Sorry. I unintentionally put on my shirt today. That says girl mama. And I actually rocked Tatum to sleep for her nap today as well. Um, I, we kind of crib trained them earlier on. Tatum was crib, crib trained, earlier on versus juliana because i think when you're a first-time mom it's a lot harder i feel like to sleep train crib train uh because you're a lot more sensitive to them crying whereas your second time around you're a little you have a little bit tougher skin so um juliana she was crib trained she co-slept with us so we like kind of cold turkey took her from our bed um she was never good at uh, like we originally intended on having her sleep in our room for the first six months in a pack and play which is suggested um for the first six months that they're in your room in the pack and play or not really oh I guess a pack and play or a bassinet um our pack and play had it so you could have it not all the way to the ground so she was up more um if that makes sense um, so, she, I, we didn't have to like reach in and grab her, um, like all, like bend all the way down. But anyway, um, we intended on that. And then, like I said last week, my breastfeeding experience with her, I was constantly feeding her, basically. So, she was in our bed because that was the only way I could get sleep. And I know a lot of people, it's very. There's a lot of opinions on co-sleeping and, you know, there's a lot of different opinions on any sort of like um, route you take as a mother. But I know co-sleeping is like a big one because, you know, there's always the risks, but um, it worked for us. um, And now she's a good sleeper in her bed. But um, when it comes to sleeping, I will say I have like, <laughs> I have some unpopular opinions and I'm going to share them with you. Um, when it comes to like gentle sleep training where it's like where you don't have them um, cry it out, it's more it's more of a gentle method. They always suggest, you know, sleep sacks, white noise, um, you know, things like, Things like that, kind of like like comfort, not really comfort items, because you know when they're little, you can't really put items in their crib with them. But sleep sacks and white noise are like the number one things that you always see suggested for helping your baby sleep. Um, I agree, and I do believe that they can help. I'm not I'm not bagging on anyone who does use them, but I personally was trying. Oh, and a pacifier was another one too because it helps, the pacifier helps soothes. Um, But anyway, I personally was trying not to have to do that because I knew that later on down the road, no matter what, like, they're eventually going to get big enough to where they're not going to fit in a sleep sack. And same thing with white noise. You're eventually not going to want to have to play white noise for them all the time. I mean, maybe you're fine with that. I personally, white noise kind of irks me a little bit. So my one thing was to try not to do the white noise, which is funny because when Juliana was first born, I tried the white noise, the sound machine. Like I was about about doing that and it actually did the opposite effect to her. So then, and then as I like time went on, I realized like, no, screw that. Like we're not going to do white noise we did sleep sacks a little bit when they are like, newborns. But after that, we kind of stopped. Because, um, I don't know, in my opinion, I think it's, like, give them the bare minimum to work with. So that way, when you're in a pinch, you don't have to worry about it, in a way. Because, like, you hear these parents talking about, like, oh, yeah, well, she, she just won't go down without white noise. Or he just won't go down without a sleep sack. And no matter what, like, even for naps and... Even when we're in, in public places, it's kind of hard and, you know, they like they go on about things like that and I'm just like, you're making it so hard for yourself because you're making it to where they need A, B, C to sleep. And now, you're, you kind of just screwed yourself over in a way. Like, if you have a kid that just goes down, no matter what, if you can somehow make it to where that's how they're able to fall asleep is just matter, like they don't need anything sp- like special it's better because I mean it's harder in the process as you're doing it because it's like not I don't want to say that those things are easy way outs because they're they're not really an easy way out but they're but they're they're I don't know see I don't want to like be like talking down on anyone's ideas of of how they use things to help their kids and I'm all for you know to each their own as they say but in my opinion it's just easier for me and it works for us that I made it a little bit harder on myself in the process but in the long run it works out better for us because then I don't have to worry about always having those things to make sure that they sleep um and so with uh, Tatum, we put her in um her room, her and Juliana share a room, so we put them in their room together, and Tatum was about, I think, like, six or seven months, whereas Juliana, we put her in her room at, like, nine or ten months. So I feel like as you do have more children, it gets easier to start things like that sooner, Um, as long as it's safe, of course, because you just have a little bit more knowledge, I guess, more knowledge and your, your skin's a little bit tougher. Cause like, no matter what you do, cause people are not, the crying out method isn't, you know, the most popular, but no matter what you do, they're going to cry a little bit when you're sleep training them. And you have to remember that and you have to just don't beat yourself up if they're crying. Um, it's very hard. And I noticed a lot, um for both of them more so with juliana um because she was my first i dealt with a lot of like postpartum like anxiety in a way not like anxiety that something bad would happen to her but like i guess almost like sensory issues um the crying was just a lot for me and every time she cried like i would try to soothe her right away just because i it was just like sensory overload for me almost And then, um, when I had Tatum, it was kind of the same because, well, cause Tatum cries a lot, a lot louder than Juliana and her, it was more like a, it was like a high pitched, like screechier cry too. And so that also like triggered me a little bit more and like overloaded my senses, my senses a little bit quicker. Um, so that was, that was like really a hard adjustment, but with it being my second kid, it was a little bit easier. Um, because when you first have, if it's your firstborn baby, even when it's your second, I guess, or your third, but like when it's your firstborn, um, the first night that you have them will always be the easiest. And then the second and third night is where they start to wake up more because they're starting to feel their hunger. And so they wake up more and, That's when you start feeding like, you know, around every two hours around the clock, no matter what. And I will tell you the first like few nights for both my kids, like being asleep and then being waken up by crying like that, because a newborn cry is a lot different. If you know, you know, like a newborn cry is different. And so being woken up by those cries for the first time, and then even if you have another kid just for the first time for that specific kid you know if that makes sense it like it's honestly like it like jolts you and it like it freaked me out honestly like obviously I knew it was coming but the way it happened and you're so exhausted so even if you only did sleep for like two hours it felt like you woke up and you're like oh fuck like where's the baby what's going on how long have I been asleep for and you look at the clock and it's been like 40 minutes you're like oh awesome but then it does eventually get better but the first time that you hear the cries like in the middle of the night and they wake you up it's it jolts you for sure um so anyway let's just dive into my my pregnancy um birth experience all that with um Tatum she's my second born as I said earlier I only have two I'm only planning on having two but since I said that you know I'll probably get screwed over and I'll probably get another one so yeah that's cool I am on birth control though. Anyway, um, so actually it was around this time two years ago is when I found out that I was pregnant with Tatum. So Juliana, um, she, like I said in the last episode, her birthday is 4-4, April 4th. And so two, 10 day, actually, now that I'm like sitting here thinking about it, no, nine days after her birthday it was actually her, the day before, um, no, the day before or two days before her first birthday party, cause we did her birthday party like a few weeks, um, after. And it was like a, like two days before her birthday party that whole week I was feeling kind of nauseous. Um, cause me and Spencer were like, we were preventing it a little bit. And then, and I wasn't, I didn't get on birth control after I had Juliana. And so we were, like, kind of preventing it a little bit with um, using the pull-out method, (laughs) if anyone wanted to know that. And then um, we kind of got lazy and we're just like, eh, whatever. Like, if we have another kid, cool, kind of thing. Um, And we did. I guess I am very fertile. So I felt, like, nauseous that whole week leading up before I took the pregnancy test. And I... Hmm, I don't remember if I had a pregnant pregnancy test left over from Juliana or not. I, I'm not sure. Or no, I, ooh, I can't remember that detail. But, um, I remember feeling nauseous and a preg, pregnancy nausea is like no other nausea. Like, you know, maybe not the first time around, but then like once you take your test, you're like, oh, that makes sense. But like the second time around, um when you are experienced with it. Like you know pregnancy nausea, it's it's a different breed of nausea like and so I kinda knew and then I was like, oh I'll just wait a week and see if it goes away, you know. I told Spencer that and then um I was like, yeah, I'll probably take the test tomorrow or something. And then he was out um he was outside I think he was on the tractor, like doing something outside. And I had, I, I like totally just realized I had taken a test, um, cause I had missed my period in March. And so I had taken a test like a few, like the few days after my missed period in March and it came up negative. And then that's, and then later on I got the nausea and then, so like, fl- sorry, I had to like go back and remember that and then so fast forward back to when I was gonna go take the test he was outside working on the tractor Juliana was inside with me and I peed I peed on the test you know all that good stuff waited um I found out I was pregnant and Juliana was like there with me in the bathroom and I was like I like looked at her I was like oh my gosh like you're gonna be big sister what the heck and then he walks in and and then I'm trying to act casual you know those um like, people do those posts where they, like, wait and then surprise their husband, like, and they, do like, announce it to their husband in a cute way. No. I can't keep surprises, especially like that. Like, I was so giddy. And so, like, I was, like, trying to act casual and I wasn't really, like, looking at him. And so, I was like, Juliana, did you tell your dad? And she, Juliana, like I said, she had just turned one, so she obviously can't actually talk like, fully yet, and I said, Julianna, are you gonna tell your, your dad? And then he's like, tell me what? I was like, you're gonna, that she's gonna be a big sister, and he's like, no fucking way, and you could tell, <laughs> it's like, the stages of finding out, especially when it's a surprise baby, it's like a, oh shit face, but also like, okay, like, this is gonna be fun, you know, and so we found out, and then, you know, a few weeks later, Um, uh, Spencer actually got into a crash and he tore open his, like part of his skin, like right below his knee. Um, and he had to go to the doctors and it was going to be like, he thought it was going to be like a quick, like stitch you up and get out of here thing in the ER. And he ended up having to stay for a few days because they had to go into surgery and actually, um, Ooh, did they staple it? I think they stapled it. I I forgot, but anyway, um. So he was ended up being in the hospital for a few days. The one day that he was in the hospital for, um, the day before, like the day in between, when he got there and the his surgery, it was my doctor's appointment to to find out that um, like to do the ultrasound, and so I remember like telling his mom like, oh yeah, um, can you like watch juliano for me i have to go to an appointment then i'll come back and then you know we'll bring spencer i'll bring spencer lunch and all this stuff you know and i remember telling her and being like great like she's gonna know when i say appointment she's gonna know like what i'm talking about you know she'll know that i'm pregnant and she she said that she did have a feeling but she didn't call me out on it um surprisingly (laughs) but um so then i went to the appointment and found out i was pregnant like, you know, that it was a, a, uh, was it a viable pregnancy? Is the, is that the word for it? Anyway, but the pregnancy was confirmed and they said I was going to be due November 30th and that was actually my dad's birthday. And I was like, no way, that's, that's really cool. And, um, my great grandpa, he passed away a few days after Juliana was born. Um, he was actually, I don't know if I said this in the last episode, but he was actually in the hospital at the same time as her, the same hospital, we were both at Kaiser, and um, I really, like, wanted to go up there and have him meet her as we got discharged, but the nurse had to, like, take us down and make sure that we got in the, the car and, um, you know, make sure the car seat was all good and stuff, so we never really got the opportunity to, Julianna never got the opportunity to meet him, and he was in, you know, pretty bad shape anyway at that time. Um, he was, like, pretty out of it, so he probably wouldn't have really been there, um, like, mentally. So, um, his birthday is actually November 26th, which is four days before Tatum's due date, and I remember thinking to myself, like, oh my gosh, like, because I already, I already felt like Juliana had a special connection to him because he passed away a few days after she was born. Um and I was I was thinking to myself, "Oh my gosh, I'd be so, so so special if Tatum also was able to have a special connection to him and was born on his birthday as well." Um, and then I was like, eh, probably not though because my kids come late, so she'll probably come later." Um but anyway, so my my pregnancy with Tatum was about the same with Juliana. I wasn't as, I wasn't as sick. I think because my body was just more used to that kind of nausea and being that sick. Um. So I thought it was a boy because I wasn't that sick and I was convinced it was a boy. I even went and bought two freaking onesies, blue onesies. I think one was like red, white, and blue and one was blue. And, um, then I go and for Juliana, we did like the 3D, 4D, um, thing where you find out if it's a boy or girl. And then we did like this gender reveal party for her and we like smashed a pumpkin on the ground and like, um, pink chalk. We, I ground up some chalk and like, so pink, like ground up chalk, like went everywhere. Anyway, it was like a pink explosion. Um, not actually an explosion though. And but for Tatum, I just went to the doctor, and I just found out for by myself. And then I um, went and got uh, sugar cookies that were pink, and then I like got some like streamers that were pink and balloons that were pink or something like that. And then I got out some of her old onesies and hung them up like on a little like clothesline. And if you followed me on Instagram at the time, you've probably seen those photos. I took photos of Juliana in front of all of the pink stuff. And um, then I sent all that to family. But, like, I waited till Spencer got home. So then Spencer got home. And I had already cleaned all that stuff up. The cookies were hidden in the microwave or something, so he didn't see them. And I was, like, on the rocking chair. And he's like, so? And I'm all, what do you think it is? And he's like... It's a girl. I had a dream last night. And I'm like, yep, you're right. We're having another girl. And he's like, oh, hell, another daughter. He's like, yeah, we're for sure done having kids now because I don't want to risk getting um, a third daughter, which I don't blame them because daughters are very... uh, They're lovely, um, but they're high maintenance. And so that's how we found out she was a girl. Nothing too crazy. Um, I worked up until I think I was 37 weeks with Tatum, which I worked up until, I, like, I gave birth with Juliana, so same, same, right? But um, I remember I was hoping since she was my second and my body delivered Juliana very well, the first time that she would come a little quicker. Um, and then even... So I was supposed to go to work like on a, on a Monday and that was supposed to be like my last day. But on that Saturday we went to, um, the zoo and I, um, remember like we walked the zoo like gnarly, like all the hills, everything. I was trying to like get her, get things moving down there and it did nothing, but I was like super sore. From walking and like I had I had Braxton Hicks contractions for both my pregnancies um pretty bad all throughout the third trimester so all the time basically near the end um and then I also got what they call lightning crotch I don't know if you guys know what that is it's basically when the baby's um head is kind of like positioned onto a bundle of nerves and it literally feels like what it sounds lightning crotch. It hurts very bad And it wasn't all the time But it was just random stings when I got that and I never knew when it was coming it would just happen And so that sucked really bad, too so the that Monday I I called in to work and was like, hey, I and they knew since I was, you know, pretty far along they they weren't like, you know, they knew that could have happened, so I said, hey, you know, I don't feel good today, and so they all got excited, like, do you have, where's the baby, where's the pictures of the baby, you know, like, a few days later, they thought I had had her, I'm like, no, I didn't have her yet, um, I just, like, felt like crap, (laughs) and, and then, so, um, we went to the doctors, I went to the doctors again, and my original OB, like, kind of, fell off the face of the earth near my third trimester. I don't know what happened. And so I ended up having a new doctor, um, near the end of my pregnancy. Um, they were both male doctors and they're both like in the field for a long time. So I was very, I was, I was fine with it, you know? And, um, he was like asking like how I'm feeling and I'm like, look like I kind of want to get induced because I know if I don't get induced I'm going to be having her at like 41 weeks and again like I had my first and I really don't want to be have to wait if I don't have to and it's it's kind of you know if it's a healthy pregnancy and things are going well if you can get induced earlier not super early obviously um then you know it's all up to you and your doctor anyway but he's like, okay, we can induce you at, at 39 weeks, call this number, and then they'll call you to set up an appointment. And I was like, okay. And um, they called me and asked me if I wanted to be induced on Tuesday, November 26th, which as I said earlier on in the podcast, in this episode was my great grandpa's birthday and I like did not want to cry I'm sorry and um of course I said and they said um you know you show up at 6 a.m and we start the process and an induction process can take oh can take a few days um Actually, they say inducing sometimes takes longer than natural labor, which I think I said this in the last episode too, but inducing can take longer than natural labor because you're kind of forcing your body into labor. Um, so there are chances that I couldn't have had her, had her on his birthday, but that was the day my induction was scheduled. And so I, um, the last um, night that I was pregnant, Juliana slept with us. She kept waking up and she wasn't going down, and so I said, "You know what? Like this is her last night like in our last night with just her." So like let's just let's just take advantage of it and let's just cuddle with her and so we co-slept that night. I obviously didn't get great sleep because when you're that far along in pregnancy, you don't really get can't find positions and then plus sharing it with um a one and a half year old is not that great. And then um at 6 a.m. we go to the hospital. Spencer's um mom meets us there and she takes Juliana and we get in our room, they uh they like plug me in and everything, and I, I also believe I did say this last episode too. I'm so I'm sorry if I'm repeating stuff, but um and they gave me a cervical balloon, um, so they they put it in your cervix, and the balloon helps, um, I think, dilate you. I am so sorry if you're a medical professional and you're listening to this. It's very embarrassing. But um, the cervical balloon kind of helps you get going before they give you any Pitocin or drugs to help with the labor. They, they wanted to do that first, so... I did that first, and then um, I went to the bathroom a couple times, and I had kind of been having like mild contractions since the night before, but I thought it was just cramping, and and like I said, I didn't sleep well either, and so I went to the bathroom a few times, and one of the times my balloon um, had deflated and like fallen out, which is like pretty common, I believe, and I believe when you're... You start to kind of progress. There, it's supposed to do that. Um, and then, so we got the the nurse in. I think it was a nurse or, yeah. And she um. She checked my, uh, what do you call it? The monitor where they read contractions. I don't know if it's. Uh, I'm like I used to know all these terms, and like I am brain farting today. But anyway. And she's like, Oh, you know, you we haven't even started you on like Pitocin yet and you're already having like contractions five to seven minutes apart. That's funny. It looks like your body's probably going into neighbor labor labor naturally. And I was like, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I was thirty nine weeks at this time when I was getting induced. And so, um, they gave me like they didn't ended up giving me, um a smaller dose of Pitocin since they noticed that my body was, uh, progressing on its own. And I was just, I remember laying there and being in pain, feeling Pitocin, like the, feeling the contractions, I'm sorry, feeling the contractions. And I was bearing through it very well. Um, with Juliana, I got my epidural like pretty early on to where I never even got to that point of having to feel it. And so they came in and they were like, they checked me out and they're like looking at the contractions and they're like, how have you, like, how are you like doing this? Um, We'll we'll get you an epidural right away. Like you need to have an epidural before it's too late, basically, because I was progressing very fast and my contractions are very close apart and they're very intense. Um, So they hurried up and um, got got the, um, people in and gave me an epidural. And honestly, shortly after is when I started, like, when I dilated to a 10 and I started pushing. Like, the epidural, I feel like, didn't really kick in until, like, partway through pushing, if I remember correctly. Um, and, so I started pushing and the same thing with Juliana, I only pushed for like 30, 30 minutes tops probably, maybe even less than that. Um, my mom was there with me and Spencer's mom was on her way because she had Juliana and then she dropped Juliana off with my sister-in-law because um, Spencer's mom and my mom both were there for Juliana's birth. And they they're both very great support systems when it comes to labor and delivery and Um, she's there for every grandchild and it's, she's honestly just awesome. Like she, like I said, her and my mother are very good support systems during labor and delivery. They were for Juliana and my mom was for Tatum. Um, Spencer's mom did not make it in time for Tatum and she was born at 215 and she made it there at, as they were like Putting her on my chest, she was walking in. So she made, she, if she would have, she probably would have made it if, if the parking situation, you know how parking situations in hospitals aren't the greatest, which I mean, I'm not bagging on them. There's only like so much they can do. But like, if she got, if she would have parked just a little bit faster and walk, like, she would have made it, but that's okay. Um, and then as, um, soon as I had Tatum I remember like thinking to myself how special it was because as I had mentioned a few times that she gets to have a special connection to my great-grandpa because she was born on his birthday on November 26th and that to me like obviously you just you want a healthy baby healthy mom and everything to go smoothly but like that was just a nice a nice little cherry on top if you will to um her birth experience and um when it comes to like postpartum with her um I had a lot easier time breastfeeding her um the only thing that was harder was adjusting to two which they say that adjusting from one to two is always the hardest um Especially if they're like super close in age, and I had to remind myself that Juliana was only a year and a half old or no, 19 months old, but basically a year and a half, right? <laughs> um, I had to remind myself that she was still, you know, she still had needs and wants, and all kids want need, need have needs and wants, but. When they're still that little and they all of a sudden are a big sister and the, all the attention is not on them anymore and they need to share mom and dad, it's a it's a big adjustment. Um, when it comes to that, I have a few a few tips that can help you if you are gonna be transitioning from one kid to two kids soon, and they are even and for all ages, but especially if they're close in age, I always um, tell people who ask that you just need to find a way to get them involved in what you and the baby are doing as much as you can because you pretty much sit on the couch and feed the baby all day like let's be real that's what happens the first like two months and um so that's what I would do I would have Juliana um help me pick out the baby's clothes um come bring me a a diaper and baby wipes because she knew she you know she knows what those things are and if she could if she could see them and they're in her reach, she was able to help me grab that. Um and then I would have her um you know, come sit with me on the couch and she like hate like both my kids are not great at watching TV, which is a blessing, I know, but like when you are postpartum, like that's all you want is like just please sit down on the couch with me and like just let's just watch TV all day, please, you know, but Uh, Juliana is a very active curious young girl with a big mind and so it was like really hard because I would give her all this attention we would play together all the time and it was hard for me to um stop doing that as much because I was busy and so like I said I just had her help me around the house um help me with the baby, help me pick out her outfit, help me with diapers, help me with wipes. And then eventually, um, I would put Tatum on the ground for tummy time. And I, that was a big teaching moment of like being very soft because she's a baby. And, um, Spencer's mom also got her an American girl bitty baby doll. So it's like a life size, like baby. And, um, so she had her baby and I had my baby. And so, we would both, you know, feed our babies at the same time. And she would take care of her baby and I would take care of my baby. And that was also, like, a super big help that she had that baby doll. And then that baby doll also came with, like, some outfits. So she was able to, like, you know, change the outfits every once in a while and all, all that stuff. So that was a big help as well. And honestly, like, the first... Until the baby is able to play with the older sibling... The older sibling isn't going to be that fond of the baby. Like, yeah, sure. She'll probably like, they'll probably cuddle and give little hugs and kisses and quote unquote, like hold the baby, but they're not going to be super fond of the baby until it's at an age where they can kind of play with the baby. Um, now like Julian and Tatum, of course, sharing is a big issue with us right now, um, But for the most part, they get along and they, like, laugh together and Juliana will, like, talk to Tatum and Tatum will, like, babble back. So, really, when it comes to adjusting from one to two, just know that it'll be hard for, like, the first, I want to say six months, but they start, like, being able to, like, babble and, like, smile and, like, be on the ground and roll over more before that. But definitely for the first six months, it'll be a little bit more challenging. Uh, specifically the first to three months will be the most challenging as well but it is so worth it um if you are like torn between wanting to have your kids like super close in age or not i highly suggest it um me and my my closest sibling to me is my older sister and we are two and a half years apart so we're still pretty close in age but we do have that gap um and like I said before, my girls are a year and a half apart and I just, I love it. And it's so awesome. And to think of all the adventures that we have that will come as they get older as well is super cool. Um, So yeah, if you're thinking about it, I'm pressuring you into doing it. But that is it for today's episode. Um, Next week, I will be reading some, um, advice that I've gotten from other moms. I'm going to have moms send in, send me in some advice. If you want to be a part of that, just, um, message me on Instagram and title it. Not really, I guess you can't really title it, but like, let me know why you're messaging me obviously. So I know, um, what it's for and all of these are going to stay anonymous. Um, so you can get like, You don't have to worry about your name being, like, spewed on here or anything. Um, But all of that will be anonymous. And, yeah, I'll talk more about um, postpartum issues next week, too. But I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening to me ramble on about my babies today. And I'll see you, um, I guess I won't see you, I'm sorry. You'll hear from me next week. Okay, bye.